Hi, Sandy. Hey, Nora. <laughs> that was that weird. weird. We, we could start it again, or I can make that the entry. No, I like it. <laughs> We're just going to make that the entry. I just want to thank everybody for being such great supporters and also just give you folks an update on the Patreon. So we've got someone who's doing transcribing for us right now, and that's really great. So please share that around. We're making the podcast as accessible as possible. And we're, we'll, we should be able to have our first transcribed episodes up by the end of the month. And also, we're about $100 away from being able to afford French translation of those transcripts so we can make it bilingual and even more accessible. So, you know, if you're feeling good about the podcast, if you're liking what we're putting down, check out the Patreon. There'll be a link somewhere, you know, when we post it, obviously, or it's on our website, sandyandnora.com. Thank ya. Okay, I'm done. That's my plug. What are we talking about today, Nora? It has been a series of episodes that are heavy. We have covered heavy and depressing issues. And today... It's true. Yeah, and today is going to be depressing. It's important, but I think it is not as heavy. So I'm kind of looking forward to this discussion. Really? Okay. <laughs> Okay, let's try it. We're going to talk about that giant oil snake that is just making so many people lose their minds. Mm-hmm. This was heavily requested. We have had a few people request us to talk about this. So let's go. Let's, let's talk about the Kinder Morgan pipeline. Trans Mountain pipeline. So first off, we, like, we're normally like super experts on everything we talk about. This issue is not exactly one of my biggest expertise points no it's not one of Nora's no it is Sandy's so you are about to be educated (laughs) it is not mine either I so I should just like say a big disclaimer about environmental issues I have like okay so did anybody watch uh Avengers Infinity War out there sure didn't okay this is related is this is related? Oh, right. Well, you're, are you not into Marvel? Are you? No, I like I couldn't give a rat's ass about any of that shit. Okay, I'm the most like I'm the biggest Marvel nerd. I spent this entire morning like talking to to people with, about Marvel stuff. I have comic books in my house. I love Marvel. <laughs> I love Marvel. So I watched Infinity War. If you haven't watched it, I'm about to give a spoiler. But basically. <laughs> I, it's not really a spoiler, but okay, this is all related. I promise. <laughs> this <perfect>. is <laughs> how I feel about Infinity War and in particular the villain, the big villain of Infinity War, which is Thanos, who wanted to, so for Nora and the people out there who are not the Marvel fans that I am, Thanos, this big villain, what he's all about is he's like, so the universe cannot sustain the level of population that's happening right now. Like there's too many people out here in the universe. So I, Thanos, an environmentalist, am going to destroy half the world's population. I'm just going to kill half the world or half the universe. I'm going to kill half the universe so that we can save the environment. And so I feel like, well, sorry, so that we can save the universe. I feel like that was a huge allegory for how... Uh, some people like to approach environmental issues as though they're not human issues. Cool. Like, you know, they just like, let's save the earth or let's save the trees as though the environment has nothing to do with people. And that really frustrates me because it's like, 
what what kind of like weird human worldview, like human centered whatever worldview do you have to have to think that like the earth is not going to survive us? Like, no, we are the ones who are about to die. Not the earth. The earth is literally purging us right now, you know? Like, it's like figuring out its thing. It's like, oh, this shit isn't good for me, so let me just change some things and they're going to be gone soon. It's not, like, we need to worry about us. Anyway, so all that is to say that at times I avoid environmental organizing because I think that it's really not human-centered, which, which you know, which doesn't care about, like, people who are being affected. And the people who are affected the most... Uh, tend to be indigenous communities all around the world and black people, people of darker skin, whatever, are the ones who are being affected the most from environmental problems. So, no, I'm I'm not an expert on this issue. Mm-hmm. That was a really long explanation. <laughs> but maybe we'll talk Marvel next week. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I love Marvel. You need to do some catching up, though. Uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, go. It's so not going to happen. <laughs> okay. So my my version of this story, which is way less superhero-y, and it's just from what I've gleaned from reading about this, but there is a war between Alberta and British Columbia, and it's two NDP governments, and I'm just kind of like over here going, fight, 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 fight. How embarrassing. <laughs> I have a horse in, in the game, though. I would like the pipeline to not be built, and uh, where it stands currently is Kinder Morgan really wants the Trans Mountain Pipeline built. There is fierce opposition to it. Uh, two-thirds of the in- of the indigenous communities that live along the pipeline's trail do not want the pipeline. And there are so many arguments against having pipeline projects at all. But probably the most compelling is that Canadian oil is not really in a it, like it needs to be processed and they need to get it to shore and they need to get it out to China so that they can make tons of money off this. And the pipeline is necessary, obviously, to to move like the 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 bitumen from Alberta to the coast, obviously. But it's it's a very old technology. It's an old infrastructure mechanism. And so like those pipelines have been built in this country for, you know, 60 years. And when you have a massive infrastructure project like this, um, the company that is paying for the infrastructure project wants it to go through because, you know, you'll, you'll invest billions and billions of dollars in it. But because oil is lucrative and because we're addicted to cars and industry and all this kind of stuff, it will pay itself off later on. But it will only pay itself off if you can get it built, obviously, number one. And number two, it will only pay itself off if you have a friendly government that is also willing to subsidize it, uh, deeply subsidize it, and, and encourage social license to, to make it built. Now, the resistance that we're seeing to the Trans Mountain Pipeline is incredible, is important. There's the tiny house movement that Kanahas Manual is involved in. And this is a movement where people are building houses along where the pipeline would be to be able to say like, you know, we don't want this to run so close to where we're living, right? Because there's there's legality in all of this about um, who and how you have to get consent to run the pipeline through whose land or, or whatever. And, um, and it calls into a, a lot of questions like, federalism, the the role of the province versus the role of the federal government. Trudeau and Notley are very much aligned in this issue, whereas the Horgan government in BC is opposed. 
They are very opposed, probably with the help of them trying to maintain their minority government, which depends on the Green Party. And the Green Party has made this issue very like front and center. So there's a lot of really great things, great political theater going on in this. But if you step back from the political theater of it all, of course, pipelines uh, leak. Um, they uh, they encourage us to continue to use oil, and 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 they they once the project is actually in the ground, there's an argument to continuously pump your oil out, and so then it becomes more difficult to convince people to move off of oil. And and then there's questions of consent and ownership and traditional land and First Nations communities and indigenous people saying, no, absolutely not. This is not a project that we support. Or if it's a project we support, we support it under these conditions and you must meet those conditions. So that's that's kind of like the broad understanding that I bring to this discussion. And so if something I've said is totally incorrect, like feel free to call me and tell me I got it wrong. But I think it's interesting for us to talk about, especially two people who have like almost nothing at all to do with Alberta and British Columbia, but who do care about the survival of, you know, the land, the air, the water, the people, and to maybe untie a little bit. What is this fight going on between two NDP governments? Like, how interesting is that? <laughs> yeah, that and like, oh, can we just point out here that like the promise of a nation to nation relationship doesn't seem, you know, that Justin Trudeau, of course, promised to First Nations uh, doesn't doesn't really seem to be working out in that he's like, this pipeline will be built and we're going to make sure that it happens and not listening to the First Nations who have said we do not consent to this, not on our land. That's right. And so big issue about pipelines, obviously, they spill the oil and the spills that could happen, like really do negatively affect communities, negatively affects health, affects the ability for a communities to survive, biodiversity, blah, 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 all of that stuff. And so it's just it's not a good thing. It is not a good situation. That's one thing. Another huge part of this, though, as well, is how much money that they get from the federal government and subsidies to even build in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I I have such a hard time talking about it because it's like it's it becomes a focal point in a way that completely outweighs its actual importance. Like people power. I, I really believe that people power will stop this project. I think that that we're seeing. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think they're about to win. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. and so and so when, when you see a campaign and, and you see the power that of people to say no to absolutely refuse something that you know obviously that gives me a lot of hope and it's very inspiring but the the fact that it has taken such a place in the political discussion like reminds me how far we are in the mainstream to have a, an adult conversation about our dependence on oil and just how destructive how destructive everything is about it. So it's like, so you've got the destruction from the from the land point of view and animals and making something that was, you know, a, a, a complex ecosystem into something that will take years and years and years to replenish itself and it'll probably only replenish itself when we've actually, you know, ruined humanity with our, uh, with our obsession with oil. But you also have like this viciously gendered, uh, uh, aspect to it so you've got the the gendered aspect of the work and you have the gendered aspect of mm-hmm. what the community looks like when so much of the jobs are only going to men uh, and and I don't want to hear any right-wing people be like I know someone who's a woman that works in the, t- in the tar sands it's like no no majority we're talking here because <laughs> you know 
a lot of people say this, and I and I think it is so profound and so important. But the the parallel between mass ravaging of the earth and the ravaging of women's bodies, and specifically indigenous women, is is so obvious and so connected. And it's just it's so disgusting that we apparently don't have any problem with these projects, even if the impact is. Uh, families that become completely reliant on jobs that are completely unstable or or work camps that are misogynistic or just skewing the the fact that if we're talking about the economic impact, the jobs that it'll create, there are far better places to create jobs. And one of the, the, the things that happened in Alberta when the price of oil dropped was that the public service became really important because a lot of families had one member of the family, usually the man, out of the job. And if the second member of the family was working for the public sector in some way, so in healthcare and education or actually for government, it was the thing that buoyed families through the economic recession, mm. obviously. And so so we don't really talk about that. We talk really just about like, the, like just it's so critical that we sell Alberta oil to... Yeah. Uh, whoever's buying. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe it, it's uh, very obvious to listeners. Maybe it's not as obvious. But again, so, OK, Nora, like, let's kind of break it down. Like, why is Alberta like upset with BC and whatever? You know, we know that Alberta is very much in favor of this pipeline. But also there's always this justification of jobs. And as Nora stated, like these jobs are, yes, very gendered, but it's also like very short term because a lot of the jobs that people are talking about are jobs that are only going to be around to build the pipeline. And is it not the case that we need to move away from, you know, this, you know, our reliance on oil, our reliance on this oil industry? Uh, we This is like the largest environmentally awful project on the planet like I just don't know why we would be trying to invest another pipeline to entrench the product to make sure the product continues when it is responsible to so for so much negative effects on health it is responsible for an environmentally racist way of um, you know relying on some sort of economic infrastructure and so this has resulted in you know this fight that's happening between these two governments that has culminated in like a boycott on wine or <laughs> just <sighs> one of the things that is so embarrassing about Canada is how we can't seemingly get out of the idea that our future is always in resource extraction i'm 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 constantly surprised at how obsessed we are with resource mm -hmm. extraction and it's like I come from a family of of miners like that's why my family came to Canada was to work in gold mines in northern Ontario and that was a century ago and we're still like seriously we're still mining we're still tearing things out of the ground we haven't figured out how to do something mm -hmm. less destructive or more interesting even <laughs> like we're that mm -hmm. boring a, a people <laughs> mm -hmm. the hell is wrong with us and the thing like the 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 government is like subsidizing these quote unquote projects and then and then the jobs that come out of it. So it's it's not like a like a a, a just like a oh the, this company is coming and generating jobs like um by doing this like you know this resource extraction situation but the government is subsidizing that. 
they are wanting this company to come. So there's all sorts of breaks and so on that the that the government is giving to encourage these companies to come up and build pipe pipelines and in particular Kinder Morgan. But couldn't the government just like invest in jobs and like, I don't know, research for like different types of energy creation? For like example. I like I just feel like there's, you know, why don't you just spend the money elsewhere? Yeah, like the, it, these projects don't actually get off the ground if it didn't have uh, if they didn't come with mass subsidies. And I think that Canadians need to understand that billions of dollars is going into subsidizing the oil industry, and and billion and there's lots of money going into also subsidize other industries, but they're not subsidizing them to get us off oil. And I'm thinking specifically now about Ontario's green energy plan. In Ontario's situation, they're subsidizing wind and solar. Because they were guaranteeing them profits, <laughs> like at the bottom line, this this all this all goes back to profits, and it and, and the Alberta desire to get oil to the shore so that we can moronically ship it to other countries. Mm-hmm. It's like, who thought that's a good idea? Like, who who actually sat down and designed the most rational system and came up with that? We know that. The oil has to stay in the ground if we're going to have any impact on stopping climate chaos around the world. Mm-hmm. We know that temperatures are rising and that when the temperatures rise, that we're going to start to see cities disappear that are coastal cities. Countries disappear. Countries will disappear. We're going to see more climate refugees. Yeah. We are part of what is driving so many global crises and and it's been like boiled down to a a turf war between Alberta and British Columbia. I know that folks in the NDP in Alberta are you know they they say like this is popular and they're obviously fighting for their lives but it's it's just indefensible. This is an, an indefensible project on so many different levels from the public funding from ignoring indigenous rights and title to land to uh, to, to, to not meeting our international targets to ensure that we're not rapidly warming up the earth to save our winters. Like, God, we, we're losing, like, our kids aren't going to have winter. <laughs> like, and still they're pressing forward rather than taking the necessary uh, perspective that, oh my goodness, we actually need to change. We need to fundamentally change everything about how we live, about how we fund things, uh, about what projects get priority. And yeah, obviously, jobs for men is like the most important thing in the government's mind, even if those jobs are not stable, if those jobs require men to leave their families for long periods of of time. Like, why are we never talking about that? Why are we never talking about the negative impact that it has on people that are gone for a a huge chunk of their children's lives because they have to go in and go out of of these work camps? It doesn't make any sense, and it makes me so mad that 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 the left in particular is in this bizarre fight between the two these two poles of the NDP. That then then it says to me that it's like, well, then what the hell is the NDP at all if it can if it can do what Notley's doing and claim it's NDP? Like, there's no progressive way to defend this when you're no. when your only argument is like, well, it's popular, like the majority of people want it, and it's like, guess what? The job of a political party is. On the left, it's to make things popular. It is not to yeah. bow down to popular demands. Yeah, education and a, a shift in culture has to be part of the goal. There's no good argument for this. 
there's just there's no good argument for this. No. Kinder Morgan said like, okay, we're ceasing operations on this for a little bit until we can figure out like what the heck is going on. And I think that we have to um, thank the work of organizers for that. You know, the way that BC responded to Alberta and the, the public issues that they're having, the political risk is something that has been cited as the reason, but I think it's more than that. And of course, that political risk, the way that BC is responding is related to the amount of organizing that is happening on the ground, really inspiring organizing, um, happening from, you know, a coalition of different organizations and indigenous groups who are saying, you know, we're going to do everything that we can to oppose this this pipeline, uh, this small house mm-hmm. movement that you mentioned. I didn't I didn't know about it. That's a that's such a excellent, innovative, creative way to to do some of that work. And I think that this for a lot of people may seem seem insurmountable. It's such a massive project. It's about billions of dollars, and people are taking this on and saying, no, we can't do it. We shouldn't do this. And I think, you know, my prediction is that these, you know, folks are going to win. Mm-hmm. One thing that is it might happen that we'll have to wait and see is whether or not Kinder Morgan sues the federal government, um, which they could probably do under NAFTA. As of course, uh, uh, the Canadian government has been sued many, many times under NAFTA. And so that'll be interesting to watch. And the amount of money that the federal government is is willing to put into this it just it just shows where our our completely backwards priorities are uh, as a country if you want to make an investment that will pay itself off you invest in education there's no question if you want to invest in people and make them healthier then you invest in preventative mm-hmm. medicine you mm-hmm. invest in pharmacare and you invest in all of the things that are outside of healthcare like uh, vision or dental or whatever. Yeah. And then you give people the freedom to create new things, right? To experiment yeah. with new things. And the, like the thing about the oil industry is that, you know, they're, they're very, very smart, right? They, their main goal is once you get that pipeline built, you have a country by the neck and you can, can use that pipeline until there's no more oil and no one can really stop it because there's all these ways to uh, make it illegal for you to tamper with this kind of infrastructure, right? In Canada, it's already very illegal to tamper with critical infrastructure, which is broadly defined um, and does include pipelines. And so these companies know that if there's a friendly government and they can just get this thing built as fast as possible with as little opposition as possible, then they're going to go ahead and do that. But the reality is, is that we we no longer are in a situation where energy that is taken out of the ground should be our priority. And if we're not even able to figure out how to fund sustainable energy properly, like then then it's there that we need to start. Then we need to actually step back and say, okay, what is this country's energy protocol or policy? Like, what does the National Energy Board do? Uh, how do we manage energy from pro- province to province? And how much are we selling? How much surplus energy are we actually creating? And this is stuff that gets very, very technical and that people don't necessarily understand. But like we waste a lot of energy. And it's not like, I don't mean, you know, you keep your light on in your room and you don't turn it off and you're wasting energy. Like, obviously, that's a waste. Don't do that. But we, 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 we get rid of surplus energy a lot in this country. And so, like, we know that the, that the Alberta project is not to fund Canadian energy or, or, or light our homes or, or, or power our cars. It's just to make more money on the international market. And then the question is, who makes more money? 
It's mm-hmm. not going to the people. It's not going to the fish mm-hmm. that are going to have like three heads because of these projects spilling in the lakes. It's definitely not going to indigenous nations that are like, no, we're not interested in this project because it's going to poison anything. It's not going into any communities. Who is it going to, Nora? I am riveted. I'm at the edge of my seat. It's going to billionaires so that they can become billionaires <laughs> and it's going to the banks and and that's it. It's just I've heard this story before. It's a terrible ending. It's like what is the end game in this? That is the end game. It is to just mm-hmm. make people more wealthy. And it is so sad seeing average people who have bought into this lie defend it with their whole soul there was a woman who was uh who staged a protest this week and she announced the protest on her facebook page and she was swarmed by hundreds of people mostly men but not just calling her all sorts of terrible things for how dare she be opposed to this project and it's like the misogyny that is wrapped up in the extraction of the land is so clear when you can read it in a Facebook thread of just these people being like, you know, ah, oh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and all these other kind of things. And how do you think you're going to power your house or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it's like, this isn't about powering our houses, actually. If the conversation was about how do you power your house, it would be a different conversation. Oh, well, yeah, we... We definitely like the the pipeline wouldn't be a part of the conversation at all because <laughs> it's no. not how you power your house. No. So hats off to everybody who's making this uh, a national issue and who is going to win and who will stop it. Mm-hmm. And to anybody listening who's in the NDP government or who's a liberal and who thinks Justin Trudeau is not the worst guy in the world, like get get it together. If you are not clear enough in your vision of this country to understand fundamentally why putting in a big ass pipeline to transport a lot of just the slimiest like uh, thickest bullshit uh, that you pull out of the ground to then sell on international markets if you can't understand why that is a foolish way to spend one billion two billion eight billion dollars like we don't actually know because a lot of these conversations are being held behind closed doors Mm mm-hmm then you're not progressive. Then get the hell out of government or get the hell out of like even any space that says that you're the left and just be like, you know what? You're right. We're just the progressive uh, conservative government of Alberta or you're right. We're we're liberals, but we're not really like progressive on anything other than talk because mm-hmm. it's so tiring. It's so tiring that that this is the way that we're having these conversations rather than asking ourselves what are Canada's actual energy needs? How do we meet those actual energy needs? Uh, How does university research play into this? What is the corporate responsibility of other uh, energy companies to collectively reflect on this? Because we look foolish (laughs) when you when you see the kind of cars that people are driving in Europe. We look really pathetic. Our cars are too big. But also, like, if you're like in favor of it. If you're just like if you if you like want to be like I'm I'm progressive and you know this is this is real or whatever okay sure I just want to come at this for for a second from a a race perspective then why don't you just have the pipeline go through like Vancouver or some some rich spot like you know what I mean like I just like the hmm. places that they decide to have these pipelines run through to have these projects happen are you know 
are significant to the people that it's going mm-hmm. to affect the most. Like, this project is, in addition to being terrible for the environment, not that great for the economy with respect to, like, a long-term plan for the economy, with respect to a gendered perspective, uh, with respect to, oh, what if there's a spill? That's going to cost billions of dollars. Like, not good for the economy. Um, it's also just, it's like, mm-hmm. it's racist, <laughs> guys. It's like, it's mm-hmm. a racist project. Mm-hmm. And again, like, when, you know, uh, hearkening back to my Avengers story at the beginning, like, the fact that we don't hear about that piece of it really frustrates me. Um, uh, although I have to say with this particular fight, like, I think First Nations communities have been extremely loud and very good at getting uh, media coverage to say that this isn't something that we want. And so if you are in favor of something like this happening in the way that it's happening, you are, guess what, supporting a colonial state, guess what, supporting colonialism generally, and guess what, supporting a racist project. That's what it is. It's a racist project. And I, like, people need to think about that as well, are are you like committed to, you know, I, I have there's people in Alberta that I know and that I love who like talk about this project with like, you know, they're just like, this is a good project. Like you guys just, just really don't understand. Well, I understand some things. OK. And one of the things that I understand really well is race and how projects like this uh, always, always impact the most uh, the people that a state government cares about the least and in this in this Mm -hmm. case it's uh it's first nations communities and like y'all that should give you like a hell of a lot of pause okay a hell of a lot of pause well and seeing who the voices are who are most viciously defending it it's it's it there's like a complete intersection with a lot of the far right groups that you would also expect to be anti-immigration and certainly anti-Trudeau and using transphobic and homophobic slurs against Trudeau or even calling for his death. Oh, oh, and they're also attacking Rachel Notley for being a woman. Like (laughs) when the NDP government got elected, like it was obviously a big surprise and it was historic and it was wonderful. And they have done they've done good things like they've done a lot in only three years. But my God, don't make your last year about fighting for a project that Jason Kenney is just going to continue to fight for. I I don't understand the drive to fight at all costs for re-election in the face of terrible public policy. Why don't you just have a good time? You're there for a a good time, not a long time. And in that good time, like, actually think about the, the most strategic way that you can force the government to do some good things and build that social license within the province to understand why the tar sands are not going to be the economic future of Canada. They're not going to be the economic future of Alberta. I've been watching this with especially especially interested from the perspective of Quebec, where there is a consensus emerging that most municipalities in the province like formally are rejecting uh, hydraulic fracking. There has been um, the Energy East pipeline was a no-go through a lot of community organizing. And now it's kind of like, again, there's a consensus. It's not a leftist position in the province. It's like, no, we don't want the Energy East pipeline running through Quebec uh, to get to the Irving facility in New Brunswick. And it's like, okay, at what point is this country completely fictional? (laughs) Like, I know we, we know it's a fake country. Like, but at what point is Canada... Like literally like a bunch of tiny fiefs or like a fiefdom here and a fiefdom here. And then 
get the the heads all being like, yeah, this is good for my my little thief, and so we're gonna go for it. And it's like, no, it's bad for my thief. And then you got the head guy, and it's like, sorry, who said Trudeau could like just decide that we can destroy the Earth or not? It's like maybe we should just get rid of federalism entirely, start something new, or this whole country. Yeah. That's all I can think of when I hear this, and 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 all of the all of the uh, justifications from people on the left about how all of the doomsday scenarios are not coming true. I hear that, and then I I I sit at an airport for eight hours because like Toronto's been hit by Category One hurricane level winds, and I'm like, <laughs> we are we are causing some serious serious damage to this country and to the planet, and. And we're the kind of people that are debating putting in more oil into the global markets just for profit, not even for our own personal use, while we can't even have a, 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 a rational discussion on high-speed rail or how to connect communities better or public bus lines or like any large infrastructure project that would actually bring people together, that would actually benefit Canadians. And that isn't only, literally only about making a few people stupid level rich yeah yeah i agree we, we started the conversation by saying it was it was it's gonna be a fun a fun conversation and it kind of is except now i'm just now i'm now i'm i'm just angry yeah i'm but but in addition <laughs> to being angry i am also inspired because i do i i yeah. really like i you know who knows how things are going to go in the next couple of weeks i mean um you know like this is an issue that we had planned to talk about weeks ago but you know and Oftentimes we we um we record multiple episodes in one session and we just kept being like oh we can't do that because it, like this is, this issue is changing so quickly, but you know like I I think I'm hoping that very soon we will hear that uh, this this project is over because again as I've said multiple times I really do think that uh, folks are going to win and it's just you know it's just such a lesson to everyone across the country who. Um, needs to be organizing against or who wants to start organizing against uh, some sort of capitalist bullshit that's happening or for some sort of um, infrastructure changes or to just, you know, organize against something that seems insurmountable because like everything is surmountable, all of it. You know, I'm I'm really inspired by the, the type of um, organizing that we've seen. And it should also just tell us a little bit about our government and um our government's willingness to listen to us in certain cases um, and this particular government in the way that they, you know, the, this particular federal government, the way that they want to be seen versus the way that they are being seen. Like, look, the, you know, Justin Trudeau, I believe, calls himself a climate leader. I didn't make that up. I've heard that somewhere. He called himself a cli- climate meter- leader. Maybe maybe I made that up. I'm pretty sure I read it somewhere, though. Like, I think he's he said that before. And so much of this, this the way that this government operates is about, like, um, lies and like really thinly veiled curtains and so on mm-hmm. but exposing that stuff is the job of folks on the left who are organizing and I think that especially in this particular case folks have done such a good job and that's you know that's inspiring to me mm-hmm. totally it's not Thanos style organizing <laughs> which is important <laughs> don't be Thanos <laughs> who Thanos he's the villain in <laughs> Infinity War the Avengers he's like he collected all the Infinity Stones and snapped his fingers and i'll be honest every time i saw anyone talking about that i thought that they were talking about an appliance (laughs) what nora i'm gonna come to quebec and we're gonna watch some avengers movies go 
you you and you and not me you and you and maybe my partner which would be fine and then i'll just like hang out oh no you're and think about watching um, them, and then we're gonna report back on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I just wanted to pick up on the on the last thing that you said in terms of getting inspiration, but it, it's also like, it's a, it's 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 true that whatever you're doing in your own community, you have to make sure that you're working with people who you might not have ever worked with before, but that are most directly impacted, and that you are respecting the fact yes. that every like every place that we walk has been walked before and has been walked for time immemorial and and making sure that our movements are rooted in understanding that we are supposed to leave this place in a in a in a situation that is first of all not desolate and second of all is better actually if if it can at the least be neutral and we are on a collision course to far more floods, far more forest fires. Like if I see another summer of forest fires and people unable to talk about climate change at the same time because it's too soon, I'm I, I'm just going to write another viral tweet and then get my ass handed to me for another full month because we are creating this destruction. Our greed is creating this mm-hmm. destruction. And when I say our, like I actually don't really mean probably anyone who's listening to this because I'm sure you're not getting that much money off of the tar sands, though if you have mutual funds, you probably might be getting a little bit of money. Get rid of your bank branch if you're with the Royal Bank, for example. But but this is this is this is very serious and it's very real and it touches people and it also brings communities together that don't necessarily normally work together. So Find your local farmers organizations, find your local conservation organizations that tend to be liberally and not super radical, but find those groups that want to uh, are ready to oppose these large scale projects and organize with them and make those arguments and understand people's concerns and look into the data about how much jobs actually do get created with these giant infrastructure projects because the answer is not much once the pipeline is built. Mm-hmm. And organize across borders because, you know, these are transnational organizations. The stuff that Nora is saying about how the world is changing, like the Caribbean might not exist like in decades mm-hmm. from now. Like it, like the, the water levels are rising such that these islands are disappearing like I this is a serious issue if you if you know some children or know people who have children or care about children at all this should be top of mind like this is a serious issue that's going to really affect us in our lifetime um if you're an adult right now it's already affecting us in our lifetime for those of you in Toronto who are in the windstorm just a couple days ago it's like getting hurricane-y slash tornado-y up here it's going to be even even worse uh for for the children in your lives so please you know, organize across borders, organize with people that you may not be used to organize zing with and find out about this issue. Take some inspiration from the folks who are doing this organizing here. It's it's really, really great work. <laughs>